Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 21st of August 2012. For newcomers, I always suggest you make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com because you'll find an awful lot of information on it where I go through the history of the big system you're born into. It really is a total system and uh, I go into the, the formations of the big organizations that created foundations and NGO armies, armies and armies of NGOs across the world. That's non-governmental organizations, well-funded by these big foundations. They call themselves philanthropists at the top, of course, but they really are the big uh, world owners. They see themselves as owning the world, and they have, to an extent, owned it for quite a, a long time. These are the guys behind the wars with the big plans that they have, too, for the whole future. They plan in centuries ahead. They have think tanks working on every aspect of society, right down to cultural changes and political correctness, too. And they have certain techniques which they use over and over, and they always work. So help yourself to the website. You'll find a lot of information on it. Remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you. You can help me keep going by buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can use national checks or international postal money orders from the post office. You can, you can send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union, Money Grant and PayPal. And donations, straight donations are awfully welcome because they don't bring on advertisers uh, disguised as guests, basically, that sell you stuff after scaring you. So it's up to you if you want to keep uh, me going and hear this kind of information. But I go into the past to bring it to the present because if you don't understand the past, you won't understand what's happening right now. You really will be caught up in the matrix, in other words, a system designed for you to believe in, and you will not really think too much about the system. You'll react to the system constantly, and that's propaganda. That's how your propaganda works. You don't think too deeply about subjects, and uh, you think that politicians and governments must simply react to crises as they come along without knowing that they're planned crises. He says, geopolitics has been going on for a long time with this big world agenda, and your parents, grandparents, all lived through it too. They didn't know either. And it's only now that people have access to certain, especially top philosophers who took part in the big system we're in today. They have designed it, in fact. I've mentioned many of the the writers and authors down through the years who've put books out to do with the system you're now in. And they didn't simply look at a crystal ball and predict things. They knew because they helped plan this actual part that we're living through today of massive cultural changes, shifts. Remember in the 1930s that um, Brave New World came out foretelling basically that you'd have a very promiscuous society, people would be cloned for their efficiency in different grades, categories, along the lines of Plato's Republic, and um, 
And of course, too, they'd have no offspring. All the offspring would be created by geneticists. And that's where we're hearing, we're hearing this all over the media today. That's just one little example. That wasn't because it had a crystal ball. And again, remember, that was back in the 1930s, 1933. I think Brave New World came out because the Huxleys were part and they took part in at global meetings with the big boys who run the world. So everything is going to, to plan. Even world wars, as I say, were mentioned by the historians of the Council on Foreign Relations. They've helped bring them on. To unite the world, you've got to have conflict, and so they create conflict. And as they prosper with war, of course, they also must um, fulfill their agenda of a global society. And just like top psychopaths, of course, once they have won the world and they have a world parliament, even their own think tanks for the Department of Defense, and that's published actually 90 pages of it, predict that the states will wither away, just like Karl Marx said. And then, of course, even the world government will be of no use. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix. And I call it matrix because it's a system where, with lots and lots of rooms in it, you might say, and floors in all directions, and most folk go through their lives never questioning anything at all because you're indoctrinated from birth, really. Your parents indoctrinated you because they were indoctrinated. They don't know. And as I say, all mammals, all mammals look towards, all young mammals look towards the elders to warn them against dangers. And if it doesn't happen, then those young mammals will be prey, easy prey to predators. And it's the same with people too. If you're not told to beware and watch out and that what you're taught in school isn't necessarily true, and very often it's not true uh, because they're always changing history, then, uh, of course, uh, you have no idea. You'll accept it and take it for granted. And you have your peer group, your generational group, who are all indoctrinated in the same way. And so you can talk amongst yourselves and all agree with your indoctrination. It all seems quite natural. And everything is propaganda. And I've gone through even the Royal Institute for International Affairs so many times before because it was formed to be the embryo of world government and to take over the world. And it was based in the city of London. It's still on the go, of course, big time. And they have uh, societies in every nation across the world today. And one of the American branches is called the Council on Foreign Relations. So they supply all the journalists. Winston Churchill even talked about the fact that they, at that time during World War II, uh, under different names, because they hadn't come out with their official name at that time, but he said that, I'm surprised these guys have helped foment wars and even dragged Britain into the wars. And then, because they're so wealthy and they own the publishing companies, they then write history for the children to learn, a fake history of why things happened. So we're living in intense propaganda, and that's the term, the real name for it, propaganda. It's the art of running millions and millions of people's minds without them ever knowing, and getting them to do or think or behave in the way that you want them to think or behave. And it's a, quite a simple thing when you have pretty well total control of the world's media. And the culture industry is a big, big part of it too that churns out the movies with predictive programming, etc. And all the dramas that you soak up through your lifetime watching television. Now, I've mentioned Jack's Elul quite a few times, a great uh, 
a great philosopher and historian who turned out books to do with um, so many topics, but mainly along how, how men think, how people think, and again, propaganda. And what he said was, in one of his books, it was called the, the Formation of Men's Attitudes. He says, propaganda must also furnish an explanation for all happenings. That's what your media furnishes you every, with every day. A key to understanding the whys and the reasons for economic and political developments. News loses its frightening character when it offers information for which the listener already has a ready explanation in his mind. You've already been prepped, you see, but with previous news or for which he can easily find one. The great force of propaganda lies in giving modern man all-embracing, simple explanations and massive doctrinal causes, without which he could not live with the news. And it's true, if you were to to suddenly have amnesia, and um, you'd have maybe a recall to do with previous wars and things, and how, say, for Nazis were bad, they wanted to take over the world, and then, but because of the amnesia, you didn't know what your own country was anymore. And you saw what your country was up to, or where you were living, what it was up to, with fomenting wars, geopolitics across the Middle East, one country after another. You'd have to put them in the same category as Hitler. Understand that? Or the Soviet Union has expanded their empire. Same thing. And, and slaughtering people across the world. That's, that's, that might be a, a breakdown if you were actually sane and came to that conclusion. A lot of folk actually do have breakdowns when they realize what their country happens to really, really be and what they're doing. So how can one person in one other country be really nasty and evil when your own people are doing the same thing? And even on a bigger scale, by the way, and slaughtering folk across the world, plundering the resources, and giving you full propaganda at home as to the reasons why they're doing it. Always blaming the guy they're going to invade, of course. Always. Always. You see, simple explanations and massive doctrinal causes without which you could not live with the news, says Jacques Elal. So, if you can remember that, you'll understand why your media is all in collusion with the same stories on every topic, especially with Syria, and you've got the same thing. We had it with Libya. Uh, we had it with Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, and so, and so on. And they want to also do the same with Iran. They even published the countries they want to take out back in the 90s with the project for the New American Century. And they're going through the same ones. And most folk have no memory, so they can't put it together. They think it's just a happening. You know, just, the hippies used to say it's a happening. Things just happen, you see. Now, it says here, too, modern propaganda reaches individuals enclosed in the mass and as participants in that mass. Yet it also aims at the crowd, but not only as a body composed of individuals. What does it mean? First of all, that the individual never is considered as an individual, but always in terms of what he has in common with others, such as his motivations, his writings, or his myths. And what he means by that, see, your whole culture is given to everyone around you, especially your peer group and your generation, of course. And... Um, and that's what you do. You bounce off ideas to, from other, to other people around you to see if they accept it. And if it's accepted by them as well and promoted by them, then you must be quite sane. You understand? Whereas if you, if you bounce something out there and you've, you've broken out of your conditioning, you'll see them all steer at you like you're crazy. It's, it's very, very simple. And he also said propaganda tends to make the individual live in a separate world. That's the idea. He must not have outside points of reference. 
So they chuck real histories away into the academia because academia is all on board with this big global agenda. He must not be allowed a moment of meditation or reflection. Instead, successful propaganda will occupy every moment of the individual's life. Through posters and loudspeakers, when he's out walking, through the radio and newspapers at home, through meetings and movies in the evening. And that was from Propaganda, the Formation of Men's Attitudes, as a chapter. And that's what you get. You're, you're bombarded with simple explanations as to why the world is the way it is and why your government must do what they tell you that it must do. And, of course, to use all of you as an army and as a taxpayer to fund it all for the gang at the top that already have control of your countries. And they've had it for a long, long time. An awful long time. He also said, at a related point central in Allah's thesis is that modern propaganda cannot work without education. You must have your, your basic indoctrination first. That's so important for subsequent propaganda to take effect. He thus reverses the widespread notion that education is the best prophylactic against propaganda. On the contrary, he says, education or what usually goes by that word in the modern world is the absolute prerequisite for propaganda. This is, in fact, education is largely identical with what he calls pre-propaganda, the conditioning of minds with vast amounts of incoherent information already dispensed for ulterior purposes and posing as facts and as education. It's actually, he says, too, to make the organization of propaganda possible, the media must be concentrated. See, they're all... All the top characters in media, newspapers and television, are, and definitely the owners of them, are all members of one organization, the Council on Foreign Relations. One organization runs the world's media. And it says, concentrated, and the number of news agencies reduced. The press brought under single control. Well, most of them get all their media, for, all their information from Reuters, you see. And radio and film and movies and monopolies established. Well, we've had that for how long in Hollywood? Radio and film monopolies established. The effect will still be greater if the various media are concentrated in the same hands. And they are, you see. And that was also from the formation of men's attitudes. And... Um, he also says, too, uh, Stalinist propaganda was in great measure founded on Pavlov's theory of the conditioned reflex. Hitlerian propaganda was in great measure founded on Freud's theory of repression and libido. American propaganda is founded on great measure in Dewey, John Dewey, his theory of teaching. And so he goes through all the, the methods by which you've, you've already been brainwashed, you understand. And he says, too, each medium is particularly suited to a certain type of propaganda. The movies and human contacts are the best social media for sociological propaganda in terms of social climate, slow infiltration, progressive inroads, and overall integration. Public meetings and posters are more suitable tools for providing shock propaganda, intense but temporary, leading to immediate action. So you have all the gestures to get the fists up and the whole bit, you know, and, the, and the, these drawings. The press tends to more to shape general views. Radio is likely to be an instrument of international action and psychological warfare, whereas the press is used domestically. Direct propaganda aimed at modifying opinions and attitudes must be preceded by propaganda that is sociological in character. Sociological propaganda can be compared to plowing, Direct propaganda to sowing, you cannot do one without doing the other first. And that was also from his book, Propaganda, the Formation of Men's Attitudes. So, 
you understand, most folk are living in a dream world. They, they don't know. They don't know. They think they're sane. But as I say, stand back and say, compare what your country is doing. Compare the propaganda you get on a daily basis with experts always coming on, telling you why you must go invade this country and then the one after it and the one after that and the one after that and so on. When they say invade, you know, they're slaughtering lots of people. And you've paid for it all through your tax money. As you at home are put into under pretty well what is generally called martial law. With ID cards and everything. Can't you get it? How can you say, okay, Hitler was bad, Stalin was bad, our guys are good? It's the same techniques, same kind of lies, very simplistic propaganda. And, um, and everyone goes along with it because that's all you get access to. And even too much access to some of the truth will also overload you and break you down as well. Another technique which is used. I'll touch on that when I come back from this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and we're cutting through the Matrix talking about propaganda because you live it, you're immersed in it from birth onwards, you're immersed in propaganda and it's never been so perfected as it is today. It truly, truly is. Most folk out there, as you well know, haven't a clue what's really, really happening or the whys of things are happening in the world and they can get pretty nasty if you try to inform them because they do do what Brzezinski said in his book Between Two Ages. He says eventually the public will be unable to reason for themselves. They'll expect the media to do their reasoning for them, like an extension of their brain. And that's what you have today. They really believe that uh, the, the media is somehow some sort of, kind of official guide that, that's uh, there to take care of them. And they forget that these are all private networks, privately owned, which and they do have a, a, an agenda, an absolute agenda. Look at culture, it's plummeting. It's been plummeting for years because of the agenda. And I could flood you with news stories today because the big boys throw out all the news stories for you to go, oh my God, what they're doing today. Oh my, look what they're doing now. And that's what it's meant to do. Overload you, overpower you, and you, you don't do anything about it. It can, it can make you crack up if you simply keep reacting to bad news and they dish it out every day. They keep you on edge. You're always on the edge of falling off of your balance and becoming imbalanced because, because fear is a great tool to keep people uh, obedient, especially in times of war. And you have been in a war long before they went into the Middle East. You didn't know it was declared upon you. No one knew. The first parts of war were cultural. And even then they were combined at the same time with economic warfare, always economic warfare, to make you worry, worry, worry. Will you have a job next week, next month, next year, etc.? We've gone through the big boys' plan for globalism, and a new, a newish term. I'll touch on that too, because because they've had many words for the same plan uh, for a long, long time. As I say, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, previously called the Milner Group and the Cecil Rhodes Foundation, they actually published their works on their agenda, and they wanted a world government uh, based on eugenics, with themselves, of course, at the top, with academia completely on board, and same as Stalin says, you must pay your teachers very well, your police and your military, to keep the people under control. The teachers, of course, indoctrinate the next generation. 
be obedient to the system. Now, Jacques Ulal says this too on, on what words. Words are so important because you understand this neurolinguistics, sometimes called psycholinguistics, and because they, they affect your, through emotion, they affect the way that you will, will think or remember something. M- movies do it all the time. An emotional scene where someone's being kicked to death or whatever will stick in your brain and of course they can turn it and warp it any way they want for prejudice purposes or you name it, racist purposes, etc., etc. and to do. And that's imprinted in your mind forever. So, so even nasty things through fiction can be embedded in your mind when maybe the opposite is actually true. Now he says on what words must do to work. What must words do to work? And to work for whom? So the terms, the words, the subjects that propaganda utilizes must have in themselves the power to break the barrier of the individual's indifference. That's the key to it, indifference. They must penetrate like bullets. They must spontaneously evoke a set of images and have a greater grandeur of their own. To circulate outdated words, outdated words, remember, or pick new ones that can penetrate only by force is unavailing. For timelessness furnishes the operational words with their explosive and effective power. Part of the power of propaganda is due to its use of the mass media, but this power will be dissipated if propaganda relies on operational words that have lost their force. In Western Europe, going back a little bit, the the word Bolshevik in 1925 was used for, for the ones who came in under the guise of communism, and I see under the guise of communism. The word fascist was used in 1936. And you would react to those words in those times when they were used, first came out. You would react to them and be, you know, Pavlovian style, you would certainly react. The word collaborator was used in 1944. If anyone called you that, that was it. You'd blush and feel ashamed and so on. The word peace came out in 1948. And the word integration in 1958. At that time, too, a lot of people says, oh, no, we're not going to have this world government. We don't. We want to have nations. And that was for peace, you see, they'd have world integration. And at that time, everybody knew what it meant, and they reacted to it. Not now, because we're global now, you see. So these were all strong operational terms, and they lost their shock value when their immediacy passed. To the, it's, like, it's like the word, and you hear this getting used even in, in, in radio, hardcore, it means nothing today. At one time, when pornography was something that, you, that people would sneak out of a store with in a, in a, a brown paper bag, uh, they would call actual sexual uh, portrayal as, as hardcore, you see. But your children growing up now with pornography, all kinds of pornography, and hardcore means nothing now, nothing at all, as they move on to the next phase of degeneracy. So he says, to the extent that propaganda is based on current news, it cannot permit time for thought or reflection. That's why you're bombarded with it, you see. A man caught up in the news must remain on the surface of the event. He is carried along in the current and can at no time take a respite to judge and appreciate. He can never stop to reflect. There's never any awareness of himself, of his condition, of his society for the man who lives by current events. That's why you get so much news. And people literally uh, will tune in at 6 p.m., 10 p.m., 11 p.m. to hear the same news over and over. And they believe it all, and they don't understand they're the target of this propaganda. Back with more after this. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about propaganda basically and how the mind functions in today's society. It's been the same for an awful long time with the techniques employed. They never change. Expert after expert comes on in your daily news. Uh, generally, characters are so well known, they're like celebrities and you follow celebrities simply because you're told they're celebrities. And you admire people who are rich, you see, and it's part of the culture as well. So a rich person must tell you the truth. Is that really true? Is that really true? Have you seen what happened to the bankers and what they've done to the world? So why are you following celebrities? Think about it. Anyway, he says, such a man never stops to investigate any one point, the general the person in the, in, the, in the public, any more than he will tie together a series of news events. We already have mentioned that man's inability to consider several facts or even simultaneously. So you've got a whole bunch of facts given to you, but they, they never stop. They're unable to consider several facts or events simultaneously and to make a synthesis of them in order to face or to oppose them. You're bombarded with stuff, you see. One thought drives away another. You delete it. You make room in your mind for, for more facts, you see, data. Old facts are chased by new ones. Under these conditions, there can be no thoughts. And in fact, modern man does not think about current problems. He feels them. In other articles that Alal wrote, he talked about osmosis. It sort of permeates into them through osmosis. He feels them rather than understands them. He reacts, but he does not understand them any more than he takes responsibility for them. He's even less capable of spotting any inconsistency between successive facts. Man's capacity to forget is unlimited. Understand? That's why they can use the same techniques down through the centuries for war, etc. Man's capacity to forget is unlimited. Remember, too, that Bertrand Russell and other globalists talked about this, this particular time because they helped create this particular time that you're living through today. They gave you the present culture. They're dead now. But long ago, they had all worked out step by step how to bring the culture to where it is today and beyond, actually. And he talked about it too, that um, most people would rather die than, than, than think. This is, in fact, they frequently do. And that's true. And he said, we shall foster the culture. This is Russell. He says, we'll foster the culture to be egocentric and egocentronic. They'll do things that are pleasurable, but also shy away from things which are unpleasant. How many times have you heard people say, don't tell me that. That, 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 that's, that, that makes me feel bad. It makes them feel bad. So you, you shut up and that's the end of it. You know, or they feel bad. They don't want bad news. Bad news, you see, especially if you can back it up with facts. And proof means that the person who's receiving the news has to make decisions about what they're going to do. And they don't like that because they're already domesticated. They're socialized in a socialist system. Anyway, it says this, this is one of the, the most important and useful points for the propagandist who can always be sure that a particular propaganda theme, statement or event will be forgotten within a few weeks. 
Now, they did start surveys in Canada when the U.S., Britain, and other countries invaded Afghanistan. Now, we know after the fact, they tell you, yeah, we were ready to invade it. Anyway, the armies were ready long before uh, that, that you got told about it. So, and before 9-11 even happened, in fact, they were ready to invade. They had the troops over there ready to go in. And, um, and of course, they, they can tell you that, and then you forget it. Most folk have forgotten it, so you're on to the next war, and you, you don't question that one either. And we have all the color revolutions that have broken out for, for years, especially trained leaders, of course, uh, from the top universities and the spy universities. They do have them, actually, in all Western countries. They go over there and agitate for years and, and get all ready for unrest in countries. And then the media jumps in and says, oh, they want to overthrow this nasty regime. It's always a nasty regime. And uh, and then, of course, you send the military in afterwards. Very simplistic propaganda, but it works every time. And people can't remember the last one and the last one and the last one. You see? So man's capacity for gets unlimited. This is one of the most important and useful points for the propagandist who can always be sure that a particular propaganda theme statement or event will be forgotten within a few weeks. In Canada, they did a survey and to do with the average American's point of view when the U.S. then turned their sights on Iraq. And within a year, less than a year, six months actually, and questioning individuals in the U.S., they thought that Saddam Hussein with the propaganda that had been released after Afghanistan was finished with, basically. Uh, they thought Af- that Saddam Hussein in Iraq was responsible for it. That's how quickly, and it said that in the articles in the Korean papers, how quickly you can train them to think something else. They simply change the gun sites, and the, the general public are completely unaware of it. They go along with it without even knowing they're going along with it as they target another country. Now it says... Moreover, there's a spontaneous defensive reaction in the individual against an excess of information, and to the extent that he clings unconsciously to the unity of his own person against inconsistencies. The best defense here is to forget the preceding events, and so doing the man denies his own continuity. To the same extent that he lives on the surface of events and makes today's events his life by obliterating, obliterating yesterday's news. He refuses to see the contradictions in his own life and condemns himself to a life of successive moments, discontinuous and fragmented. And they do. They do. Ask them what caused uh, Gulf War One. They don't know. Ask, ask them... What, what was the propaganda at the time of 9-11? Oh, immediately they said, oh, it was bin Laden, you see, Osama bin Laden. Immediately. The dust hadn't even settled yet, and they were yelling from the top, your own countries, it was bin Laden in Afghanistan, you see. And then you're, you're moving on to Iraq. What, what had that to do with it? It came out in the inquiry. Bush himself says, well, I never said that Iraq had anything to do with it. This is after the fact, after they destroyed it. So, the moments, as it stays in people's minds, moments discontinuous and fragmented. This situation makes the current events man a ready target for propaganda. Indeed, such a man is highly sensitive to the influence of present-day currents. Lacking landmarks, he follows all currents. And it's true, especially with the Internet, now they're all over the map trying to get answers to things. He's unstable because he runs after what happened today. He doesn't think about checking anything. He relates to the event and therefore cannot resist any impulse coming from that event. Because he's immersed in current affairs, this man has a psychological weakness that puts him at the mercy of the propagandist. 
No confrontation ever occurs between the event and the truth. No relationship ever exists between the event and the person. Real information never concerns such a person. What could be more striking, more distressing, more decisive than the splitting of the atom, apart from the bomb itself? And yet this great development is kept in the background, behind the fleeting and spectacular result of some catastrophe or sports event, because that is the superficial news the average man wants. They want simplistic news. Propaganda addresses itself to that man. Like him, it can relate only to the most superficial aspect of a spectacular event, which alone can interest man and lead him to make a certain decision or adopt a certain attitude. And it's true, it's, it's got to be spectacular, like the towers coming down. And they kept doing it like psychic driving over and over again for weeks and weeks and weeks, showing the towers getting hit and coming down, just in succession, over and over and over, until it's embedded in your mind, you see. Psychic driving, it's called. Or, of course, they'll, they'll see some horrific thing happening in some other country, uh, and they're going to watch it happening over and over again, like the, 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 the so-called rebels, the Syrian rebels, or freedom fighters, as, as they try to use them in propaganda, who are all trained and paid to be there, by the way, to overthrow Assad. Uh, and you see them shooting the, the policemen, that's executing them. Policemen, you see. And that's what they say, oh, oh, wow, look at that, ooh, and that's it. That's what sticks in their mind. But here we must make an important qualification. The news events may be a real fact existing objectively, or it may only be an item of information, the dissemination of a supposed fact. What makes it news is its dissemination, not its objective reality. And that's what you've got with all these wars. You don't get the objective reality because it's geopolitics and you're not supposed to know the real reasons why the West have been destabilizing countries for years. And it even comes out in the press, which again is soon forgotten. And I've read the articles here many times to do with the fact that the big oil companies and the guys who were after the various minerals and rights and so on in the Middle East, uh, they were seeing Tony Blair as Prime Minister. They went to see him before they went into Iraq so that they could all put their stake in for different oil fields that they'd get for free. That was mainstream news. No one cares anymore. And suddenly the sites are now on Syria. I'm taking out Libya. We're on Syria. And, of course, it's the same thing. Nasty, nasty man. Remember what Bush said about Saddam Hussein? Well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't say that he was behind anything. He's just a bad man, and I think the world's better off without him. Is that the reason you go and slaughter all these people to get one guy? Because the guy's a bad man at the top. How simplistic it is. But it's put out there for the public. You can watch the videos of it, yeah. So, as I say, you won't get the objective reality until after the fact, and only a few get it what it was really all about. And that's the same in every aspect of your life. Because everything today, everything, including all your entertainment, is propaganda. All of it has been for an awful long time. Remember it said in the last article too, they must take over the media and basically uh, movies, etc. They must take a, a monopoly of them. Well, that's what you're under, folks. That's what you're under. And uh, it's not going to stop, of course, because the geopolitics goes on and they have whole lists of countries they've got to take down. 
and the eradication eventually of all the Islamic world, that for the Islam itself, they say will not adapt into their economic system. Remember, Islam doesn't go along with usury, for one thing. It doesn't, it's not part of the central bank, you see. Once you're part of the central banking system, the cabal that the Council on Foreign Relations boys set up a long time ago, and they published what their ideas were, they set to come up these private central banks that would dominate the world. With the International Monetary Fund, as a big collector for all the cash that countries would borrow, and they'd all be under the supervision of the Bank for International Settlements. Sounds all very, very official. These are all private organizations, as is the Council on Foreign Relations and the Royal Institute for International Affairs. These are private organizations running the world. And you still run off to vote for the guys that they put in for you to vote for? Think about it. Now, most folk live in hope. Well, maybe this one will be different. And it never is. Because there's only one agenda. It must go on and on and on. And even their own historians have said, we'll put presidents and prime ministers in for a hundred years. doesn't matter about the ones below them. It's the guys at the top you put in. They are your own. They are members. And the advisors are even higher than that because the guys behind the scenes that write the scripts and everything must know the agenda and the, the technique of propaganda for all the script writing. The front men are actors. Complete actors. And sellouts, psychopaths, they'd sell their mothers and grandmothers if they could get power. So that's what you have. That's what you have today. Most folk cannot make sense of the bombardment of news. Except for the fact, even on Patriot-type radios, uh, they do know that, well, look what they're doing to us today. Like like laboratory rats waiting in the morning for the guys in the white coats to come in, unlock the door and come in. What are they going to do to us today? Because you understand pretty well, everything that's happening today is out of your hands. You're not consulted on anything. It's simply done to you. Through laws. Laws. That's it. That's it. Very simple. A world of drones over your heads, spying on you. A world where everything, every call that you make, every phone call, every everything that you do is monitored and recorded forever in your personal file. And everyone accepts it. Everyone accepts it. And does, they don't complain, you see. The vast bulk of the population will never complain. And that's what the big boys have known down through the centuries because I've done this so many times to the people slaughtered them and all the rest of it. And the vast majority will literally go to the wall in hope that this is unreal and bad things like that can't really happen to them personally. You understand? Now, the cultural degradation had to go along with all of this, of course. And even raised a whole generation, I said this years ago, a generation who were given military games, military, designed for the military, video games, where the whole idea is to slaughter everybody and win. That's it. Simple, very simple. And they were made to be addictive. Lots of articles came out at the time that these games were meant to be addictive. And it also came out, too, that it was the military boys uh, who wanted these games out. Why would they want them out? Because, you see, 20 years down the road, they're going to use all of those children in the military. And they would kill without conscience. 
and they would kill it instinctively because all previous studies right into World War II that they'd done showed you that very few folk actually wanted to even fire their rifles. They'd often fire in the air rather than kill a real human being. Once they're desensitized for years, brought up with video games, no, they'll kill the real person. Because in their mind, it's not a real person anymore. It's a perfect system of war. And that's how far ahead they plan things. And now you're living in a world of moral relativity, where even any normalcy, remember, at this particular period of time, is to be completely abolished until there is no normalcy. They deny normalcy in order to conquer you even further. When everyone's completely dysfunctional, you're conquered, you're all conquered. Because everything that used to be normal, that kept the peace, that kept the people together, everybody knew the rules, that, that these are ancient systems tried and tested from even primitive tribes to the advanced tribes. Once you destroy them, there's a lot of fallout. And then the government steps in with more agencies and cops and all the rest of it to deal with the fallout. You know that. And in Britain, it's not even safe anymore to, to for, for young but 14-year-old boy raped in Debenham's toilets by two guys that grab him. You see? It's not safe to have children out today. They just kidnap them and take them into toilets and big shopping stores and rape them. And everyone thinks, oh, well, you know, now it's forgotten again. This has got sort of things happening in lots of different places because the culture is finished. Finished. This article here says, after birth abortion, eugenicists say babies are a parasitic burden on society. According to Alberto uh, Giubilini and Francesca Minerva, and of course these guys have been out before, making it, they always make a big deal. They give you a front people, you see, who put the proposal forwards for a new way of thinking. And all the media go into action again, because it's all propaganda and designed this way, to, to make a big deal of it. So you, you, you start chattering and getting used to the, this coming thing as a reality. And, well, what can you do? You see? So abortion is a form of contraception. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix talking about propaganda and how every part of society. Every year that you live through is full of changes which were planned before you were born. Because it's all cultural changes. And just like the colour revolutions and thousands and thousands are employed to do colour revolutions by using your tax money through the foundations as well from the big boys. The same thing goes on in your culture as they change it. Like this article I'm talking about here after birth abortion, eugenicists say babies are a parasitic burden on society, you see. This is going to get this get big, big push, you see. And Bill Gates and his wife and so on, they're really into it as well. They're behind all of this stuff. In a paper published in the Journal of Medical Ethics, you see, when circumstances occur after birth such that they would have justified abortion, what we call after birth abortion should be permissible. We, now who's we? Big organization behind this. We're all funded, you see. We propose to call this practice after birth abortion rather than infanticide. Sounds better. Again, it muddies the water. You're used to the idea of infanticide and it's a nasty thing. So you change the connotations, you see. 
to emphasize that the moral status of the individual killed is comparable with that of a fetus rather than to that of a child. Therefore, we claim that killing a newborn could be ethically permissible in all the circumstances where abortion would be. Such circumstances include cases where the newborn has the potential to have an at least acceptable life, but the well-being of the family is at risk of public economics and so on. And I'll put this link up tonight as well, but, but what I'm saying is this is how culture is altered because they pick their stars, they make them stars, and they promote them across the world. And you all parrot them because, oh my God, you've got a small minority running the world here. Lots of workers, for sure, well paid. But they must change your thoughts, like Jackson and Lowell said. You do it by emotions, you see. And if it's too tough of an emotion, you switch off. You simply switch off. I don't want to look at that bad stuff. If, like, not looking at it is going to stop it from happening. <laughs> Very simple, isn't it? His propaganda here, transgender father, this is, this is the sort of stuff they put in the mainstream, you see, says breastfeeding support group rules unfairly bar him from becoming a leader. Now, this is a woman, you see, a woman who got testosterone shots because she wanted to be a guy, but she still had everything working as a woman because she got pregnant. So obviously she's still a woman, right? They didn't take out the ovaries, they didn't take out the uterus and all the rest of it. And so she got pregnant. But she still wants to call herself a guy, and here's the media going along with it. Now listen, if someone comes along to you and says, bow down to me, I'm Napoleon, what are you going to do? We all know the jokes about the Napoleon jokes. When there's something wrong up top, if you start to humor them or actually obey them, you're in trouble. You're really, really in trouble. But here's your government and a massive organization telling you to humor them. And to actually to, to kowtow to them as well. Something's wrong here. Something's not quite logical in, in, in the way things are done. And the way that you're supposed to behave to them. This is a woman. Doesn't matter how many testosterone shots she's got. She's still a guy. She's still a woman. And she's had a child because she's a woman. So to change all the rules and she wants to sue breastfeeding clinics because they won't let her in because she's dressed like a guy with a little beard on. This is the world where everything that was normal becomes fractured and dissociated from reality. And there's big powers, big money, big organization behind all of this for the purpose. Brave New World is here, folks, and this will all lead to to. From Hamish and Sarge from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.